welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I am joined by Francesca Spector, author of Alonement, uh, the book and host of Alonement, the podcast. Hello. Hello, Sam. Lovely to be here. Welcome to the Divorce Club. Thank you. How does that make you feel? When I say welcome to the divorce. Well, you know, it's a bit of a fraud because of course, as we spoke about, I'm not actually divorced, but I have been in quite a few long-term relationships, which, uh, yes, possibly those breakups have somewhat of the same elements in terms of, uh, yes, all the dividing up of assets, even though the assets were more like our friends. And uh, yes, all the, all, the, all the classic breakup tropes of, uh, of, of moving past it. Do you remember one particularly difficult relationship that you want to talk about the breakup yes so I suppose the one that's most relevant um is the one that indirectly led to the establishing of my whole platform alonement so uh to explain a little bit briefly why that is I was in what I now know was a rather codependent relationship for about two and a half years so leading up to we broke up in at the end of um of 2018 leading up to that time and that was a relationship where I learned a lot about my fear of being alone which of course you know predated the relationship and how that fear and I think this is something that speaks quite universally uh, and and again is you know hopefully why this can be applicable to any breakup divorce or otherwise that fear of being alone can quite often lead us to either enter into or at least perpetuate relationships which aren't quite working which is why of course I found it so 
relevant when I started exploring as a personal journey my own fear of being alone and realized how much of a consequence that can have on one's life decisions yeah and I mean that's why I contacted you about the podcast because of your podcast and and the book and I'm so interested in this idea of us being alone because as well with my divorce you know that's something that I've had to get you I live alone now and I'm single and I have a cat and a puppy but that's it um but you said there that the desire to not be alone might stop you or stop someone from from leaving a relationship do you think that stopped you in the past certainly yeah in you know in every type of relationship however short-lived you know I think you know from one end of the spectrum you know staying on for that extra drink with someone that on a date that I knew wasn't quite right for me just because you know going home alone seemed like a worse option or yeah or indeed staying in things for um you know I think that things were pretty much over with um with my ex um you know probably well God, a good a, a good six to six months or so before you know before we actually did break up. You know, we're very sort of acrimonious, and you know that might not sound like a hugely long time in the context of uh, well, divorce, of course, because it, you know it takes so bloody long to finalize everything. But I think that you know any amount of time we spend running away from our own feelings and and not, you know not facing up to our own selves. And instead clinging on to someone else. I think that, you know, that is time that's, you know, very badly spent. That, you know, when, you know, I think that the alternative, it might seem harder. It might seem sort of, you know, like ripping off a plaster, but actually it's something that is much more rewarded. And when did you realise that you were scared of being alone? Do you remember that first realization? Were you still in the relationship or was it afterwards? It was back? afterwards. The idea of alone time being something that could be in any way positive, that wasn't something that I ever had any knowledge of in any relationship that I had. You know, on the one hand, I think that that probably was to the detriment of those relationships because, you know, any couple that spends no time apart really suffers and you know I think without exception I, I think that, you know you do you, you your relationship suffers and you suffer as individuals um so you know it was never something that actually occurred to me and ultimately the reason for the breakup was that things became so negative between us it had to become so awful and so spiteful between you know two people who you know I'd like to believe both of us were and are good people but uh, you know a lot of negativity had to fester in order to properly make us make the decision to call it a day and it was only afterwards you know in the wake of that breakup that my reaction to it consisted of things like going on those terrible dates or you know booking up my calendar or you know doing whatever I could to avoid spending a night in with myself and of course I had at that time more alone time by virtue of the fact you know my ex had all but moved in so you know I suddenly had a lot more alone time because I was living alone for the first time in my life um and you know I was I was single um at you know a time when I'd spent a lot of years socializing as part of a couple and it was really because of that extra alone time I was getting and my inability to navigate it in a way that was healthy or meaningful or seemed in any way triumphant that was what turned me into looking at 
alone time it was a it was a plan b to begin with I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that feeling of being scared of being alone and navigating the world again as you said without that other person that you always have there as a sort of comfort blanket or protection and not that they were necessarily a protector but just that having someone else kind of to deflect or or you know keep the conversation going it's not all relying on you is it I'm interested in in what the physical manifestation of alonement felt like to you at the time is it like that blind white hot fear or was it more of a slow ache Ooh, you know, I've never been asked that before. I mean, I didn't know any way that alone time could be other than lonely. And the way that I describe how that loneliness feels is a sort of restlessness, a sort of darkness, a sort of sense that you won't ever, you won't ever be reanimated again until other people come into your life. Um, you know, that sense of feeling so thoroughly disconnected with yourself, despite being alone with yourself, you know, that, that, and it's a very strange feeling, you know, we talk about connection in terms of other people, but feeling disconnected from yourself, it definitely is that state of loneliness. And I think moving that into something that became alone months, the joy of spending time alone, it required, I, you know, it required a lot of practice. And every time I came to that, Every time I planned to spend an evening by myself and tried to bring some sort of attention to this thing called alone time that I was exploring, I would still feel that sense of restlessness. But the more that I did it, the more that it was replaced with a feeling of bravery as well. And a feeling of almost, the only way I can describe it is being impressed with myself. And it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one to describe, but almost that feeling where I did feel like, you know, there was like a presence of someone kind of comforting, you know, beside me even if that person I knew was really just you know me connecting with me I think that's really interesting because I you know before we spoke I was thinking how can you explain the feeling of loneliness without the word do you know what I mean like if you really dig deep into it and I like what you said about the the darkness and I I totally relate to that like feeling alone feels like being completely in the dark with no light and no hope for a light in the future. And I always used to be scared of the dark when I'm younger as well. So that's particularly (laughs) scary for me because I always say to people on the podcast, you know, do you remember a low moment in in the breakup? But I guess for you, I'm, I'm interested, do you remember your loneliest moment? Yes, actually. Um, the loneliest moment was within the relationship. Um, towards the end because I think that when you become codependent on a partner the loneliest time is when you realize that actually their company isn't sufficient to make you feel connected and you have no capacity to do that by yourself it's a really horrible paradox and I remember I think this was the night before we actually did break up I remember we were supposed to be going out together to a party um, and for some we'd been arguing non-stop it had been like this awful endurance test of arguments about everything you know just like throwing things not quite physically but certainly verbally at each other that weren't very nice and I remember we decided that uh he was going to go to the party and I was going to stay home alone which was incredibly uncharacteristic for me um for someone who 
at the time was an extrovert without any capacity to be alone. But, it, you know, things had just become so toxic that there was just no way we could really be out in public together without, you know, without anything unpleasant. And I remember when he came back and, you know, I felt guilty that I hadn't gone to this party and I felt sad for what had happened. But I pretended to be asleep rather than talk to him because I couldn't face us talking. We got to the point where we had had so much build up between us that, you know, I pretended to be asleep rather than talk to or comfort the person that, you know, at that point I still loved more than anyone in the world. And it was very, very sad. And I think that there was, you know, even in the time afterwards, um, when, you know, I did have to get used to sleeping alone, being alone, living this very different, much more alone life. Even in all of those times, nothing was lonelier than sleeping beside him and, well, pretending to be asleep beside him and, you know, not reaching out to comfort him in the darkness. Yeah, thank you for sharing that moment. And it actually really reminds me of a moment in my marriage um lying next to my Aww. you can hear my puppy in the background and it's like she remembers this moment too even though she wasn't here but it was me lying next to my ex-husband and crying in bed he was falling asleep but I'm not sure if he was fully asleep and I was crying and and the bed was shaking so he must have felt it but neither of us broached that sort of silence and I think there's something so lonely about sharing a bed it is that thing isn't it of sharing a bed when after a breakup and you're in bed on your own you sort of feel the other half of the emptiness of the bed but yeah there's nothing lonelier than being in a bed with someone a really intimate space Absolutely. yeah um yeah your puppy really really is feeling the uh the sadness of that moment and I, you know, I'm so sorry like again just imagining that and you know again it's it seems to be such a recurring trope I think you know the you know the the marital bed the you know the bed where you spend your time with your partner it is such a symbol I think and it's you know it's at the very start of a relationship it's you know a wonderful place to be together and it's you know that being able to have that intimacy in every sense together is such a special thing to build. So the idea that it's then the same site where everything crumbles and where you're sort of, you know, together, but alone in a really horrible sense. I think that, you know, I think probably a lot of people listening can, you know, relate to that difficulty as well. It's just such an interesting emotion. Would you call loneliness an emotion? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because people do find loneliness quite hard to, A, talk about, um, and B, yes, sort of describe the sensation of. But I think... In terms of how it feels as well, I think sometimes it might be helpful to think of it as a place that you go to, because I think quite often it takes us away from ourselves even. And, you know, it's difficult once you're in loneliness, once you're in that place of loneliness, it's quite difficult to proactively work your way out of it. Um, So I think that sometimes the better thing to do can be to almost create that framework in your life. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. In order to stop you you going into it before you sort of are in you know are sort of immersed in this and, and and can't really claw your way out. I think. I think viewing it as a place is a really interesting one that really um, made me think in a positive way about it because then it's like you go to this place, you feel the loneliness, but you can leave the place as well. It's not like a state that you're stuck in. So you you have this breakup, you have this realization that you are afraid of being alone. What then? What was your next step? To Did you try to delve into that feeling or did you try to not be alone? Because that was my automatic reaction. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Well, I definitely relate to to what you say about that automatic reaction. I did we probably did very similar things. I didn't know about you. I spent a lot of time trying to yeah, book up every plan I could or, you know, do all sorts of things. You know, stay, you know, I was part of a very sociable workplace at the time every happy hour going I was there um and it was one of those companies where there did seem to be happy hours at least twice a week so you know I was really at a time when I probably could have benefited from a lot of sort of self-care or you know simply thinking journaling all of that all the stuff I do now I was trying to get away from myself at yes at any cost without really any standards yeah I can totally relate to that you I like booked up my diary I made sure I was really really busy and actually when you're going through such a difficult time like a breakup you do you need some space to feel those feelings so if you're booking up your diary because you don't want to be alone which I did you're also stopping yourself from dealing with all those other emotions um Although I did have quite a lot of fun because I was just going out every single night. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It is, you know what, it is a really fun time. And looking back, it's funny because I don't know if I'd, you know, I know, I know, uh, you know, I know the, the bad sort of social times. I know that, you know, the, the infamously, the terrible, terrible date that led to me deciding, right, I'm going to lean into alonement now. But I do also know, you know, when I broke up with my ex, it was uh, November, December time. Um in a pre-pandemic world, which um, hard to remember now, but you know, it was back-to-back Christmas parties. It was pretty damn fun. So as much as definitely I was losing out from it, I think in the very immediate aftermath of a breakup, um, I mean, I'd never advise someone to just be alone all the time. I suppose, I, you know, looking back now, or, you know, if I were to do it again, a balance would be better. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, 
I think definitely the you know it's I definitely wouldn't advocate against you know booking up some really fun things to do after a breakup because you know when you've been sad for so long it's it's just such a celebration you know it's the beauty of contrast yeah definitely so when was that realization that okay I've been trying to book up my schedule I've been on all these terrible dates um <laughs> when did you think I'm I'm gonna try and lean into this now and what did you do so yes yeah, so it was one particularly terrible date where I was treat, treated incredibly rudely and I think I came and I did I did walk out of the date but I came I think I, I remember just sort of sitting there and I was actually on my best friend's bed um and she I'd, I'd gone straight to hers from the date which was quite funny because she was also on a double date at with her partner and her friend's partner at, at her flat so they were sort of having this double date and I just sort of rock up this Bridget Jones figure and sort of, sort of crying in the room next door where she was. But, um, but you know, it was... Um, it was like, you walked out of your date and walked in on someone else's Into theirs, yeah. Yeah, completely. You know, I think we were just like, right, put the boys in one room, they'll watch the football. And yeah, but it was all it was all a big cliche. What was so What was so bad about the date for you to walk out? Because I'm such a people pleaser. I remember when I first started dating, I was like, I have to stay on all of these dates for a whole evening, even if... I'm not having a nice time. And I slowly learn, oh, you don't have to do that. Like you can just, you can meet the person and talk to them and then be honest and leave. In this scenario, we were having dinner on a Saturday night and I realised he was, I think he was eating really fast or something like that. I, I, I realised that he seemed to be rushing. And then he announced that he actually could only stay for another sort of half an hour and I you know it, it seemed I was like okay well look if you need to if you need to go you know we should really cut this short you know um uh you know I, I just didn't know if he just sort of wasn't feeling the date and then he said to me no I've actually double booked this evening I, I wanted to see you so I booked dinner but I'm actually going to meet friends why don't you go and stay at my flat and um and you know wait for me until I get back from going out with friends and I just thought, what? That is very strange. It was so incredibly offensive. And, you know, clearly, you know, clearly a bit of an optimist. I think he sort of thought, you know, have dinner with the woman, um, you know, seduce the woman, tell the woman I've, I've actually double booked her, but, but expect her to wait for me. It was, it was just such a, it was such offensive, strange behaviour that um, I, I did actually, you know, pay my half the bill and walk out. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was very strange. So that, that happened. And I kind of, especially after being in, you know, what was, you know, break up aside you know uh, fundamentally a loving good functioning relationship um it just felt so upsetting that I kind of thought god this is the dating world this is what I have to go through this is you know in, in an extreme way the consequence of my fear of being alone that I have to you know I have to sort of put up with this kind of kind of person and obviously you don't I just want to say for anyone listening you don't have to put up with that treatment as you didn't you know pay your half of the bill get out of there yeah yeah it was um it was you know it was it was it was quite it was empowering but also it was just it was just so looking back I still shake my head and thank god I mean thankfully nothing has happened since you have dated much much nicer people and it's always been really lovely but I think that definitely you know developing that baseline of you know, self-respect and also probably being a bit more shrewd in my choice of, you know, who to go on a date with now has definitely helped. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I went to, uh, went to my best friend's 
flat. So you're sitting on her bed crying. Sitting on her bed crying, yeah. And they were and they were they were being absolutely lovely. Um, you know, it was, it was actually my two of my best friends who were together. It was they were they were sort of double dating with their partners, and um, I I think even though I couldn't have had this advice from someone else, I had to. It was the advice I was sort of giving myself. I remember going. I remember you know sort of being comforted by them, going home, um, and just having this revelation that I wasn't going to live my life like that anymore. It was almost an extreme version of, hey, you know, you hate being alone. This is, this is how, what you have to tolerate. Um, and I went the other way. And this was, this was very late December, I think. And by, by that January, because it was New Year's resolution, I had resolved to learn to spend time alone and to like it. And you know, this didn't mean being single, this didn't mean being celibate, this didn't mean any of that, but it simply meant that alongside anything I was doing, I would always have this practice, this value of learning to spend time alone in a way that was beneficial to me. And, and that's when I coined the word alonement. Do you remember the first thing you did? Did you have like steps of like, right, I've got to do these things on my journey to uh, being okay, being on my own? Did you have activities? Yeah. So the problem was there was no manual for doing this. Um, and um, this, I mean, that's why ultimately I wrote my book. But um, at the time, there was nothing. And I simply went to the only forms of being alone that I knew to do in a way that was healthy, which was number one, journaling, uh, which I'd always sort of done, but on and off. And curiously, I didn't do that for you know the duration of my relationship. So, you know, that's two and a half years where I didn't journal and what would you how would you describe journaling for anyone who sort of isn't quite familiar with it is it like a diary yeah it's I mean it's absolutely however you want to do it you know I think that there's uh you know you can buy really beautiful diary journals on Etsy or something and these lovely this, this lovely stationery with lots of different sections but you know writing your sort of what are your you know what are your 10 10 dream goals for the month all of these different sort of prompts I think they're really lovely for me that's never worked for me uh and I you know I'm a writer I'm a fairly you know you know I've never I've never someone that liked nice stationery at school like I you know I'm not particularly you know I'm creative but I'm not particularly artistic if I write something on paper it doesn't look very pretty so yeah I I just had this old um yellow moleskin notebook um it was totally battered even then and you know which I picked up and I started writing in that and you know it's quite nice to have that you know yellow is yellow is my favorite color not to sound like a five-year-old but you know it is and it's nice to have something that sort of reminds you of you and the essence of you um and I just sit there and you know maybe I didn't keep myself to it too rigorously um um, but you know I just every every couple of nights or so I'd sit and write in this diary and just write how I was feeling. It was just a stream of consciousness. And over time, it just allowed me to have a conversation with me again and to confront the thoughts that I had deadened by piling everything onto my partner or, you know, or, or not and not knowing how to articulate it. There's something about that that means that you can't ruminate as much. So, you know, if you write, a, even if you write, you know, I'm feeling, you know, scared I can't cope without them or I'm you know, feeling really sad today or whatever, or, you know, if it's something like you're dealing with an inner critic and you think, oh, you know, you won't be able to cope alone. Any of those negative thoughts that we all come out with um, in the wake of a breakup, 
you can only really say them a couple of times, absolute max, because then you're just, you know, it's like writing lines at school when you get detention. And I did enough of that at school. And I think that, um, yeah, it, it does force you to move forward in a way that even talking to a friend, I don't, you know, even or thinking thoughts, certainly they just, they do tend to circle you like a shark uh, without being very productive. It allowed me to be a friend to myself, a compassionate friend to myself, rather than just this sort of inner critic. I think it's really interesting what you said about you can't say the same thing over and over again because it's like writing lines. So it forces you to kind of express yourself in a new and maybe deeper way, which is great. So other than journaling, did you do things like, because I remember when I had my breakup and then I was on my own and I was like, I can't go out to posh dinners anymore. Like no one's going to take me to dinner. So I went out for a dinner on my own and I loved it. And I even went on holiday on my own, which it was something that really kind of scared me before, but actually it was brilliant because I could just decide exactly what I was going to do. Did you kind of force yourself to do things on your own or things that you were scared of doing? Yes. Uh, and I, I love that you just, I love that you went out and tackled all that. I think that that is the response, you know, it's like, you know, well, you know, fuck you. Like I don't need you to put that, put those lovely things in my life into action. You know, I can go to a nice dinner alone. I can, go on a solo holiday alone and, and and yes certainly that was that was my philosophy I still you know to this day have a rule that if I love doing something with other people I need to learn to do it alone as well um you know not necessarily because I expect to be doing these things alone always or I expect to be single always I don't but I need to know I can do those both those things it's incredibly empowering and it was so it was my next step after the whole after all, you know, the journaling um, and then, you know, thinking about us alone time um, and, you know, things like planning a few more nights at home every week or just learning to be comfortable with my own thoughts. Yes, the next step was doing things alone in public. And of course, the other complication behind that, as I was anticipating it, is that when you go out in public, it's almost built around, you know, being in a multiple of two. You know, the tables are set up in the, that, that way. At cinemas, you've got two-for-one deals. Um, the world does seem to be built to suggest that you shouldn't be doing these things alone as a solo customer. And the, the inside secret is, you know, as I'm sure as you already know, Sam, I'm, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, but, you know, to everyone listening, is that it is wonderful to do things alone. And not only that, you can almost enjoy them in a distinctive way. You know, not necessarily a superior way, but certainly a distinctive way from how you might with another person. So take, you know, I started going out for breakfast by myself on Saturday morning. And that's something I still do and still look forward to every week, my Saturday morning breakfast ritual. And when you go and do that, you can sit there, you can order whatever you like for brunch, uh, for breakfast without, you know, having to sort of, I, you know, I don't know about you, I'm never a big fan of the whole diplomacy involved of sharing something. I'd always rather quite selfishly order my own and um and you can you know you can sit there you can read the papers you can just get you know I sit there and I plan to I save up all my long reads um on my iPad from sort of Apple News all you know, those long read articles that I want to read I save them all up for that Saturday morning space and you know that's a really engaged mindful time when I feel very connected to myself so 
learning to do those things and again you know learning to go to the cinema by myself on balance I think I prefer doing that alone compared to even with other people sorry to anyone that I go to the cinema with um but you know doing those things you know they can be a really really joyful experience and I think that it just took uh, I think you know I speak about this in my book but it just took developing those solitude skills so you know even little things like when you walk into a table just you know not saying oh it's uh you know it's just me but you know saying confidently table for one please you know it, it really it helps reinforce to you and to everyone around you that it's perfectly valid to do things solo yeah I do think sometimes it's other people that makes it worse like when you're like table for one and maybe the waiter looks at you like oh yeah and you're but I think if you if you yeah own it then they can't look at you with pity because you're like I'm gonna enjoy my lunch and I think we've seen so often in films that classic thing where someone goes for dinner on their own and then the waiter clears up the other place with all the cutlery so that their table only has one place setting but um but yeah I think I was so scared of being on my own which is why I'm so drawn to all of the work you do and and still now I am, but I have forced myself to do things like go on holiday. And and I think you don't have to, I'm an extreme person, so you don't have to be as extreme as me and go, oh, I don't like being alone. I'm going to go away on my own for a week. Um, but a little baby steps and actually, yeah, I love going for food on my own now because you can just enjoy the food. You don't have to like make small talk about something else. You can like go for your favourite breakfast and then just savour it or get a little notebook and look like a professional writer deep in your All thoughts. of it, yeah. <laughs> I was I thought that taking a prop, you know, it's nice to have, you know, yeah, like a book or a, or a notepad and, you know, you might not even write in it. You, you know, you might just use it as a sort of device, you know, behind which you can sit and people watch, um, which is a wonderful thing to do alone. We haven't mentioned that one yet. But, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, it's, there's lots of, lovely ways that you can spend that time and now people might be listening and thinking that you know talking about being alone maybe we're coming from a very privileged perspective of the fact that we get to have time alone um you know and we're not working constantly and I don't have you know children to look after and things like that but for anyone who's obviously you know got a lot going on but they still want to have those pockets of time alone are there any things that you'd suggest that they can do that are just like two minutes on your own or a little activity that um they can do maybe out in the garden or on the loo my favorite time um that might help yeah well I think you know I think uh two minutes might be a little bit ambitious but 10 minutes certainly can go a long way I think you know even something like sitting there having a cup of tea by the window you know looking out and just being still um I, I love that the birds are solid singing just to you know just to um, almost sell this to people listening but um yeah just being still and just taking that time and just being and again that just it builds up your confidence I think of being able to you know have that sense of stillness and being in your own head for a little bit those baby steps that you know that time that you used um I think you know anything that keeps you in your own head in a healthy way um you know journaling uh 10 minutes of headspace meditation um, you know, a 10 minute yoga flow, just those things that allow you to be comfortably with yourself. And I think that, you know, even if it is, we, we, we tend to think that doing something for our wellness that only lasts for a short while 
isn't worthwhile and that it won't make a difference. But, you know, if we spent 10 minutes, you know, smoking cigarettes a day, then we'd probably assume that that had an impact on our health. So why can we not assume that doing, you know, 10 minutes of alone time can have just as much an impact in a positive way? That's a brilliant comparison. I like that. Um, And when does being alone get too far, get off balance? Where and where is in a pandemic? <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, but where is that balance? You know, between connecting with other people and being alone. Could you survive being alone? You know, six days a week, and then just have one day of social life. Hell no, no. Um, I mean, I you know, I came to this as an extrovert. I still am an extrovert, and I think that you know the balance. It does change. Um, I think that, you know, I can only speak for where I am right now. I think had I come from a period where I had been constantly around people, say I'd been, you know, on holiday with my favourite people and, you know, felt that I just wanted to wring every single social moment out of that. Um, And so I, you know, I hadn't taken any time for me. You know, I would quite possibly come back from that thinking that was wonderful. Now I maybe do feel able to have perhaps not six days, but, you know, at least maybe three days alone um, and enjoy all the things that I've sort of been missing out on. But, you know, day to day and especially after what has been the most alone and in some ways the most lonely year of my life, um, which was inevitable because there was no capacity to have balance. You know, I spent three months not you know, not hugging, not, you know, not having contact with another human outside of Zoom. And that was really hard. Um, You know, coming out from that space, then I think it really is just about navigating that balance. I I try and, you know, I have all sorts of ways that I try and get that sort of social solo balance. Like I like to have, I like to have rituals in the weekend. So I like to, you know, preferably have at least one night of the weekend where I'm you know where I have a night in by myself and I really plan it and you know at least the whole of Saturday morning um you know and so as long as as that's in there that is enough solo time in the weekend for me especially because I work quite independently during the week um and you know in the week I do try I try not to go more than a couple of days without you know at least going for a walk with someone or a coffee um and you know I think because I think that again I, you know and but I'm speaking for my very particular situation where I don't have colleagues I you know I am single I do live alone I don't have pets I don't really have any incidental you know social time that's going to come to me so I have to sort of make it and I have to be quite proactive about it um the balance will be different for everyone and you know I think that it depends where you fall on the sort of introversion extroversion scale because it is a scale it's just you know it's a it's a and it you know it can be a scale that you slide up and down even at different stages of your life, you might have more introverts and more extrovert years. Um, you know, it can depend on, uh, you know, I think that alone time can be a fluctuating commodity for people. I think that, you know, a lot of parents um, who've, you know, had to spend all their time around others, around their, you know, around their children, around their babies, you know, literally, you know, if not actually, you know, like metaphorically, umbilically attached to them. Um, you know, I think that they might really relish 
alone time in extreme alone time it's it's funny because I have a new puppy called Custard who has been making noise throughout this recording because she's annoying um but I love her but I feel like I haven't had any alone time since I got her because she's with me 24 7 I'm like I just need a little bit going to the toilet is the most peace I have at the moment and so I relish it um so so we spoke earlier about the kind of loneliness feeling like um you're in the darkness so as contrast to that if you've coined alonement as the enjoyment of being on your own so how does that feel and how does it physically manifest it feels so incredibly energizing in a way that i never knew alone time could be so for instance, um, yesterday evening I had, you know, I had what you know, I call like an alonement evening in and it was great. You know, six o'clock, I sort of switched off my devices. I um, put on some Joni Mitchell. Um, I um, wanted the more upbeat albums. I, um, I start, you know, so I got out loads of fresh ingredients from my fridge, which I'd sort of bought ahead of time. I sort of tro- started chopping dinner. I got a glass of wine. Um, I, you know, laid the table, um, you know, I had a really, really wonderful sort of, you know, I really wined and dined myself. And then I, you know, I, after, you know, I, and I was reading a really wonderful book that I'm reading at the moment by um, Kate Murphy called You're Not Listening on, you know, the power of listening to people better. Um, and then I went, uh, I went on a sort of walk, uh, you know, sunset walk through uh, kind of Primrose Hill, recent park, and you know, it was really, really gorgeous. And of course, that is, you know, that is, you know, that's a luxury at the moment because as a woman, you can't always walk alone late at night. But of course, the, you know, the, the um, sunset allows for it right now. But anyway, so I did all of that and I just felt so full of energy for, you know, for the people around me. I felt, I felt connected. I felt, I think I described it earlier in, in terms of feeling held. I felt, I felt held by myself and, and and warm and glowy and, and and full of energy and and wanting to almost like sort of internal sunshine and wanting to radiate that out and I think that you know I, it's it's funny because we can spend time alone and it can feel absolutely the opposite but if we push through and you know think about making that time alone into that quality alonement experience it's it constantly surprises me again and again how much sunshine that can give me and how much that can then go on to affect and you know radically improve my interactions with others I love that because you described loneliness as darkness and then alonement as sunshine but obviously with the sun um as opposed to kind of electric lighting there's always that darkness as well from shadows and things like that and I think that's a really lovely sort of visual metaphor for um for the two and and reframing the idea of being alone I think is so important and that's what's so great about the kind of work that you're doing and encouraging everyone to do because automatically you think if there's one person on their own that that's a sad thing and actually it can be a brilliant thing and it sounds like it it recharges you as well because obviously people can't see you but as soon as you started talking about your evening alone you like lit up and were like smiling so I love it um what what advice would you give anyone who's listening 
maybe just after a breakup or just before a breakup when they're still in that relationship and you still feel that loneliness and they're thinking I can't ever imagine being on my own feeling nice um are there any words of of advice or comfort or wisdom that you'd give them I'm trying to think what I said to myself back then because it was very it was a very hard time I you know I describe it at the beginning of the book I describe it it's like sort of jumping into the blind unknown you know it, it is like hoping against hope and not knowing who will catch you but as you know I suppose it's, it's it's just that that boldness is rewarded because you know I think that we are so conditioned to think a relationship even a bad relationship will be the better experience but there is hope on the other side uh, and you will, you will never regret making a bold decision like that for your own happiness. You will never regret choosing yourself. And it might not seem like that at the time and there will not be immediate gratification. But the more that you reinforce that, the more that you sort of believe in yourself, that you, you, know, that you hope against hope, the more that it will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. I love that. That's great advice. And and thank you so much. This has been such a great chat. Where can people find your podcast? And please remind us of the title of the book and where we can get it. Yes, of course. Well, thank you, Sam. And so, yes, you can uh, you can get the uh, the podcast is Alone Month, um, and you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the all the usual platforms. And Alonement, How to Be Alone and Absolutely Own It is available on Amazon, Waterstones, WH Smith, Foils, uh, yeah, all the usual vendors um, online and very happily in person these days. So yeah, that's that's where you can find that. And yes, yeah, Sam, thank you so much. This has been so wonderful and has caused me to think about so many things that you know I hadn't quite reflected on before, particularly in terms of the you know the physical manifestations of those feelings. I think that's so fascinating to reflect on so thank you thank you it's been great and thank you for putting up with uh, my puppy custard and her squealing um and I should say you're on social media as well so people can um, find you it's just at your full name Francesca Spector so thank you thank you very much hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Oh hi. Thank you for listening to the Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on 
Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com, and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month. And it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90s-style divorce and heartbreak chat room. And there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast, and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines. And please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.